Welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels here as we keep going along with uh, NHL free agency, a nice little summer uh, that we've got going for us. Joining the podcast again, friend of the show, works for the Extra Points Network. It's my guy, Eddie Murphy. Eddie, thanks for coming on and uh, you'll have to pardon me for being so excited uh, to talk more hockey, but uh, you know, there's some great news in my world recently. I mean, you couldn't beat that news. I mean, it was so good that we went out and celebrated the signing of Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, I think I'm just as happy as you are with that uh, very exciting free agency period. If you look, I mean, great Stanley Cup finals, great playoffs and, and great free agency. If you're not into the NHL, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. You can't beat this league. It's the best. You can't. And uh, it's pretty funny you say that. I think as the well-wishers have gone, I mean, there's obviously some people that aren't happy with this move, which we'll get to, but you get the fans like yourself for the Rangers that are just happy that the Devils and the Islanders didn't get this guy. Sure. Uh, LA fans, oddly enough, too. It's, it's great that the Flames, another team in that division, are kind of on the way down, it would seem, but... Johnny Gaudreau was the biggest prize in free agency, and up until about three hours before it happened, Columbus wasn't even really in the race officially until Elliot Friedman went on television and said, look, I'm hearing that it's not just a two-horse race with Devils and uh, Islanders at the time. Columbus was in it, and then a couple hours later, they signed him the deal for 9.5 annually, uh, a little less money than uh, about a million a year less than what Calgary had offered to him. A lot of ways to break this down, and I, and I want to just start here, Eddie. Are you surprised that a player like Johnny Gaudreau, who had been on a team that had been winning, won their division, that he was so eager to just make that decision to leave Calgary first and foremost? Are you surprised that he wanted to come back to the United States to play hockey? I'm not entirely surprised that he wanted to leave, you know, Western Canada and come back to the States. Obviously, he's a guy that's from the States, from the Northeast, went to BC. Um, I, I definitely thought he was coming to either, you know, the Devils, the Islanders, the Flyers or in the mix. I thought he's going to go into those teams. I was going to hate him forever. I mean, this guy would have been public enemy number one for me, obviously, uh, going to um, BU guy. He's a BC guy, then playing one of my Rangers team's rivals. So for him to, to pick this, I mean, I guess we still don't know what the reason is. Does he love the coaching staff? Does he love someone on the team? Does he love the city? Uh, it seems like he was just dying to get back into the States to play. Maybe, you know, spending those many years in uh, Calgary could do that to you. I mean, it seems like also maybe he's a guy that's okay with playing in smaller markets. He's used to it. Yeah. Um, that's something that may not matter to him. You know, and it, it's a great thing for the league. And it does kind of happen in sports recently. We've seen a little bit with the NBA where, you know, a guy like Giannis who wants to stay in Milwaukee, um, you know, you could – we'll see where Kevin Durant goes. He may go to a small market too. I don't think they care as much. I think if you're a good enough player and your brand is relatively strong, which is a weird term to use, especially mm -hmm. in the NHL. But I think, you know, Gaudreau is one of the premier players, one of the premier uh, American players, and maybe he'll get more publicity now he's back in the States uh, as a younger guy who's yeah. uh, very talented. So I think this is good for the sport. I think it's good for all sports. And any of his naysayers is very, very strange. And, uh, yeah, I am ecstatic about this move uh, as much as you are. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. That's the first thing, let alone a, a, the team itself, Columbus, but just small market teams getting the big prize is just a huge deal in general. And I think it's fair to understand why an American born and raised kind of wants to, you know, leave Canada. Not that Canada is not great but in its own right, but it does make sense that he wants to come back. I think that, and this is all speculative, of course, he hasn't really said why Columbus. I don't think he has any straight ties or history with players, the city certainly, or the coaching staff. But, mm -hmm. Eddie, I feel like the Flyers were the only team that I felt like that would pull the heartstrings a little bit. 
I don't think he had any affiliation to the Devils. He didn't grow up rooting for the Islanders, certainly not. So I think once the Flyers were, and this is probably a lot by what they did money-wise their own right, the Flyers are out, Torts is the coach. He's like a version of Daryl Sutter himself. I think once the Flyers were out, that's when it really got opened up. And I think for the Devils and Islanders, I know they're pretty upset they didn't get him, but I don't think there was any any affinity on that end for Goudreau to those two teams, and that's why I think Columbus might have just been a default choice in the end of it. Well, we could attack this now from the hockey angle, and we could attack this from the geographical, you know, the city <laughs> angle yeah. uh, here. But with Philadelphia first, I think obviously geographically, it, you know, it, it would have been smart. It would have been a home run for him to go there, obviously being near his family and stuff. But yeah. I think in Philadelphia being a bigger market, I think the negative with Philadelphia is their team is just brutal. It's a brutal team. And you go and hire John Tortorella, who does not seem to be a favorite amongst many players. I know he keeps getting these jobs because it's, he won a cup, it but seems I, don't, I don't like think it, he's it, loved. Yeah. And I think it seems like for, I agree with you with Philly, like, and it's a roster construction. You know, I don't, I think the coaching staffs in the last couple ones they've had haven't been the issue. I think they just do a bad job allocating money. They haven't found a goalie and it's Ron Hextall basically. Right. I think Tortorella is a long-term like re he's a good rebuild guy, but when you get to that precipice, I think he just kind of plateaus and then the guys sure. at that point, the locker room tunes him out. Yeah. And, they, and they didn't even, you know, they didn't really make the effort to, Go, like to clear the caps because I know mm -hmm. obviously they moved Lin, uh, Oscar Lindblom but they didn't they didn't do what they needed to and right. they're like oh yeah we just didn't get involved in the race and I was actually hoping out of the three teams that he would have won uh, Gaudreau would go there because I I thought they would just be a, a miserable to mediocre yeah. at best team for a number of years and just waste you know the prime of his career um you know so that the Philly one was strange you know I, and I'll I'll stick up for Jersey and for the Islanders here too everyone's like oh he, he no one wants to play in Newark no one wants to play on Long Island <laughs> it's like all right well number one if he's a multi-millionaire for the New Jersey Devils he's not living in Newark New Jersey no. he, he, he's living in probably Hoboken Jersey City he could be living in Manhattan um, yeah. and the same thing goes for Long Island it's like also Long Island you know where the great Gatsby's from there's plenty of very nice place to live in Long Island uh, and he also could live in, you know, in Brooklyn or Queens, somewhere nicer. I'm not sure where all the players live. I'm sure most of them have houses down in, in near uh, maybe the new arena. And that's, I guess, another selling point, too, is the UBS arena, a great place to play. I know that Calgary has probably – isn't it one of the oldest stadiums or is the oldest the stadium Saddle left? Is, is the old is – the oldest left, right. I'm pretty so, sure. So, I mean, so. I'm sure the the uh, facilities aren't the best there, where now the Islanders probably have fantastic facilities. So people saying that, you know, they're, that uh, they, no one wants to play there. It's like, well, you're still near the center of the universe in New York City when you're playing in those two markets. So I, I don't think that's really the reason. Um, I think maybe with Jersey, does not play for a, in Lindy Ruff. And I think the Islanders... You know, obviously the regime change there with uh, with, with Trotz gone, but like I don't think it's a really welcoming place to play there. You know, it's like people say in the NFL, no one wants to play with Lamar Jackson because he's a running first quarterback. Receivers don't want to go there, and I, I think that's kind of what was true for the, the Islanders for a while. Um, and also with you know their their GM is kind of archaic as well. So I, I I'm I think there's more factors in it. Right. And uh, it, Columbus had a stretch last year where you thought maybe they could make a run, maybe they could make the playoffs if the Capitals drop back, and they have you know guys like you know Lina, they have some pieces there. Uh, no. That I would not be shocked if they made uh, if your guys made a push. So it, it all makes sense. And, and everyone, you know, that's why all these fan bases can't get too attached to a guy because it's very easy for him to not to pick your your team. And, I, and, and everyone getting, you know, this seemed like a lot of Devils fans thought he was definitely coming there. But um, that's the way the free agency goes. It's, it's yeah. crazy. And I love that it was a curveball. And I love that it was a small market. And that's what makes this league so fun.
It was a very interesting choice for sure. And I think there's so many factors that probably played a little bit of a part. I don't think there was one thing that ultimately swayed him or, or turned him on or off about some of these other teams. Great point about Lula Morello, and it just has been a little bit on the archaic side. The Trots regime, regime change is a big thing. And the Devils, and, and I'll heap praise on what they've started to do. Jack Hughes, they're gonna, they, they've got the foundation. Palat, they probably overpaid for, but that's how it works in sports when you're trying to sure. build back up. Their defensive core and goaltending was pretty weak. And, and for the Columbus side of things, defensively, Zach Rowenski, one of the better players. They've, they've had some good young draft picks recently. Maybe there's two sides of this that we're not considering, Eddie. Maybe that, you know, one I guess you are considering is that he he's comfortable being in the small market. He doesn't need the big-time city. He doesn't need to be on the marquee at a big at a big arena, so to speak. But also maybe the other side of it is he looked at this Columbus roster and said, hey, they're building something, but I'll be unquestioned the guy. Because this is he's still top six in points since he came into the league. He's mm-hmm. produced at a high clip. He knows he's going to have some talented players around him, but make no mistake, even if Line A does come back, which I assume he does, this will be Johnny Gaudreau's hockey team. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I do think the one area where maybe you could say that it's it is strange that he did pick Columbus, you know, the Islanders, if we fast forward to this point last year, one of the betting favorites to make the, the uh, definitely the ECF and if not the cup oh, yeah. were, were the New York Islanders. Um, and so to me, I still think I'm not in love with their roster. Uh, but I, I think they have enough pieces there that could be a playoff team. You could make the argument that if he went there, they become an upper echelon East team, a team you actually have to watch out for because they have a lot of pieces in place. So, I, to, yeah, I mean, if he picked the Islanders, they're, they're to me, more of a threat than than Columbus is right now with him. So I think there is something more to to that because he he clearly wasn't going based on roster by roster. Because right. if, if he was doing that, obviously Philly is last. <laughs> then I guess the, the Devils. But again, credit to the Devils. You know, they threw big money at Dougie Hamilton last year. Like you said, they they paid for Palat. Like they're they're trying to get a, a team going here. But to, it's clearly if he joined the Islanders, they're by far the the best roster top to bottom that he would have joined. So there definitely is another factor to why he picked Columbus. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? Sometimes hockey players are unassuming and uh, don't need to be in the major markets. This is a great thing there. Uh, for Calgary, though, I mean, Eddie, I'm expecting this to almost, I'm almost looking at this as the, as a blow-up situation because Matthew Kachuk's got a uh, pretty nice loophole in his contract that I was reading today where he could, in theory, walk away next year. He's going to be a prized possession whenever he uh, does hit the market, whether it's free agency or a trade. You got to feel for Calgary in this sense that they've been building something, but could not maintain Gaudreau. And I think the roster might start to come uh, a little bit of a fire sale here going forward. They, it's like a Jenga game with like losing Gaudreau and like you pulling that one block and you eat it and all thing topples down. Mm-hmm. And you can even go back to that that game. I mean, you could argue how many bad calls in, in that game versus uh, Edmonton. I mean, they probably deserve to win that one in advance. Uh, from you know, obviously there was a lot of controversial calls throughout the playoffs, but that that game seven definitely like you know they were that close to mm-hmm. to to playing Colorado, and you know who knows if they would have beat Colorado, but they would have got there. And that was a team that people thought were going to be a mainstay for a while, and they're going to they built a really really nice roster there, and they're you know they're one of the few complete teams I think in the leagues. Much to I would even say you know I guess Colorado has the super super high end scoring ability, but Calgary's I mean d- defensively great, goaltending great. Uh, and obviously they had the guys on offensively, but now that may be going like you're saying, and oh. it's it's crazy how one huge power player in this uh, the, in the postseason for the NHL is now pretty much gone. Like I'm not 
I, I don't see them getting back to where they were uh, this past year. It's going to take a major blow. They, they have to hope that they can either find, you know, keep Kachuk, find a way to, to bring in another player. I don't know how their minor league system is doing right now, but like losing Gaudreau is not easy to overcome. So that's basically one Western Conference team you can kind of count out. Yeah, Lindholm, Kachuk, Gaudreau, only line in hockey last year where each member had over 40 goals. So for as great as they were, they were pretty top-heavy. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Eddie, right. Murph, Eddie Murphy here on the Money Mitch Effect as we continue on and kind of broaden things up to the Eastern Conference where we could be seeing, I want to say a transition period, but we know that some of these old guards won't last forever looking at Pittsburgh and Washington. Uh, New Rangers, who made a great run to the conference finals, game six, were up 2-0 on the Lightning. You paid the price for some free agency uh, losses, but they were able to get Trocek. So I guess we can start there. The Rangers didn't really have a lot to spend. They lose a couple guys. They add a, a pretty solid player. Where are you at with the Rangers and what they're building going into a pretty pivotal 22-23 season? Yeah, I mean, you I kind of figured that they were not going to keep the the rentals they got. I mean, Cop could have been in the mix. I didn't really see Vetrano staying because um, you have to also remember there was the whole drama with Kratsov last year. You're supposed to join the team, went back to Russia. Now it seems like he's fully on board, will be part of the team. And then also that, you know, the, in the trade with um, they gave uh, Buchnevich to St. Louis, they got Sammy Blay and then he uh, turned, you know, he tore his knee up. So now he's back. So they have these guys that we kind of forgot about at the beginning of last year and that now are returning to the lineup. So I always knew that was there. Obviously, the money comes first, but you got you have to retain Cabo Caco. You have to pay Kondre Miller soon. You're going to have to pay Alexi Lafreniere soon. You have to keep all these guys there. So um, uh, Philip Hedo as well. So I knew that money was going to be tight, and their biggest glaring hole was the number two center spot, which is why they went out and got Vincent Trocek. And it just seems like from the start, that Chris Jury and company that like he was their guy. Like they didn't really look at cop who got similar money. I know cop mm -hmm. plays more of a wing than yeah. Trojic does, but Trojic great in the face offs, which is a, was a huge, huge issue throughout most of the playoffs with the Rangers. And they needed that. So he checks a lot of boxes. Um, he still, he just turned 29 a few days ago in July. So he's, you know, he started right in the prime of his career. He was a Ranger killer. So I'm glad to get him in there. And I, like I said, I think now with Kraftsov and they have, um, and, and Sammy Blay coming back, you have your, your bottom six, your middle six, obviously the, you know, the top six, is pretty much going to stay the same. They're looking for a jump with the young kids. I think you, you, you know, Kako and Lafreniere didn't play the power play at all. Like they were all even strength guys, yeah. and they're going to have a better chance there. Philip Heedle really turned around. I mean, these guys are super young too. They're in their early twenties, so seeing Heedle take the next step is huge. And uh, obviously, the Rangers are loaded defensively with prospects with uh, Schneider and and uh, and Robertson. They oh, have yeah. and Philip Lundqvist. So they have all these guys down there that like that's not a worry. And you have Fox, you have Truba, you have uh, Mill. You have all your mainstays there, so that's not a concern. You know, it, the net's not a concern um, as long as Igor is there. So I feel good. This is supposed to be really the year the Rangers were supposed to take the, the next step. I think last year they kind of got ahead of themselves, which is a good thing. It's always good to have more playoff experience. And really the best things that happen around them were well, obviously number one, the Johnny Gaudreau not going to their rival. I think Pittsburgh getting worse uh, throughout their decisions of free agency were kind of head scratchers. So, you know, they're, like you said before, too, some teams that were the mainstays may be dropping down. I know Tampa wants to run it back. I can see why. So it's going to be tough. Boston may drop off, but I, I think the Rangers should be a mainstay in the Eastern playoffs for, for quite a, quite some time. Yeah, I, I you know, th those are good points to make, and I think the best thing Chris Drury's done, in my opinion, is act pretty level-headed on each way. Not freaking out, I think, is the one side of having to go too aggressive because mm -hmm. what's really going to determine the success for this team next year 
and beyond is the growth of the players that they do have. So I think the rentals are understandable. You're going to do that every every trade deadline when you're a contender, and you're going to know that most likely you're not going to be able to sign them. That's part of the game. But don't lose your head and, and you know, go crazy overpaying for someone or, you know, really mess up the cap situation long term. So I think they're right. in a good position. And they'll be in the mix for more rentals again. Like, you know, I'm going to point to Chicago, and Chicago well, seems like they've <laughs> yeah. been linked there quite a bit with Patrick Kane, yeah. and obviously he costs a lot of money. But if there's some way that – Rangers would unload some picks and some players and they get uh, Kane who they don't have to pay his contract. Um, and especially him joining a line where he could play with Panarin, who you played with in the past there, um, having a left wing, right wing with the offhand, like that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like, you know, Patrick, Patrick Kane wants to go to a winner and kind of run his career as mm-hmm. you know the premier American player. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad they didn't really kind of act too swiftly in the offseason and make yeah. it. He just always seemed like a midseason move. And also credit to Kane for wanting to kind of stick it out and see what Chicago's going to do. I don't think they're going to do very much. I think Chicago's going to be god awful. No, they're, they're tanking for Connor Bedard next year. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. And it's and it's it's just really weird that you're doing it with the franchises to most iconic players. There. I mean, they yeah. got rid of Debrinket, which was, uh, you know, uh, and I think Ottawa, by the way, is going to be a, a pretty good Ooh, team. But yeah, yeah, I think I think Chicago midseason, they're going to blow it up. And I would not be shocked if Kane becomes a, a Ranger and they'll be in the mix for other guys, too. I think mm-hmm. depending on how if everything goes to plan then they may not need it. But, uh, you know, obviously it, you're we're still relying on a few things and no team is fully complete. There's always going to be holes you have to fix up. So I, I think they will be in the mix come trade deadline too. But I, I have to say hats off to Chris Jury. Um, you know, a lot of stuff he made early on was questionable and it all kind of paid off. All of his deadline moves were very right. smart last year. So he, they, they're going to find a way to trade cap space they need. And uh, right now I, I trust uh, the team in his hands. The East is fascinating because, yeah, other than the Rangers, I would put, obviously, Carolina, which what they've done, uh, building that core. Toronto is going to be there. I know they got the, the rough draw with Tampa. Agreed. Tampa, Florida, but then Tampa and Florida separately. I don't know about Boston, Pittsburgh, and Washington. To the Penguins' point, I don't know that necessarily, Eddie, they've gotten worse, but what they're kind of doing is just maintaining with a lot of veterans, and we know in, in sports in general, not just hockey, that the cliff is going to come. And this reminds me a lot of what certain teams have done in the past when it has bottomed out. Vancouver Canucks of, of years past. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres have tried this approach back with their core, even the Philadelphia Flyers to a degree. The difference being that the Penguins are, and I guess you can put the Blackhawks in there now, but the difference being the Penguins are way more accomplished than those Eastern teams I mentioned. But I just, I, I'm with you in the sense that they haven't done enough to improve their team or get younger. And this is a young man's sport as we've seen. So I think that, I think that the fact that they're keeping this together, I'll, I'll just sum it up with this, is only because of what their stud players, that core, has accomplished. If Genny Malkin and Chris Letang are not getting the length of those deals if they hadn't been a part of three championship teams. Uh, absolutely, and this is the point I made on uh, <clears throat> my show, Minus 3, with, with Dave, is, and he, obviously him being a Penguins <laughs> fan. But it's like... I think number one, totally agree with what you just said. If they didn't win all those cups, those guys, these guys would not be here right now. And that's why they have a little bit more leeway with what they want to do. And I think the other thing, and I, I'm going to definitely believe this, if they got, like, the, the Rangers own them in the regular season, the four games to one. If the Rangers beat them four games to one in the, in the first round or they swept them or something, you know, just a quick series, not the series that it was, overtime game seven, uh, I think that the offseason – it would have been a different taste in their mouths, I think, for 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 the organization. Right. And I think because it ended the way it did, they're like, oh, we're we were close. We were, you know, we could have been there. So 
and I'm saying this, and I, I despise this team, but I'll say this as a, as a subjective person. If you want to get better, the answer is not bringing back Evgeny Malkin and, and what, hope he plays in, what, 50 games? Well, that's, that, and, yeah. I, and I get he's a, he's a I, point three game player, but it's like, well, you know, 35, 36 years yeah. old, Tang, you got to pay him. You, the you, thing with Latang, you, you got to find a yeah. trade partner because you're going to pay yeah. him all that money. That's just, the thing. Like, Latang played really well last year. He finished top 10 in the Norris voting. But this ba- the back end of these deals are not good, not favorable, not at all. And what the Blackhawks are showing us with like the Duncan Keith situation, I think Seabrook's on there as well, is that you're going to continue to pay for that well after they've left your team, retired, gone elsewhere. So I think the short term is, would I count them out to make the playoffs next year? Absolutely not. But the long term, the long term health of this future is of this franchise is not great. So. Yeah, and that's my point about, like, if I'm trying to look at this very level, you know, equal across the board, there were better options out there. If you want to kind of make this franchise bridge into the post-Crosby, Malkin, Latang era, then you have to find some guys. There were guys in the market. I know they were probably looking at Trocek, but there were plenty of guys there that you could have you could have signed yeah. to to make them. You know, Frank Vitrano and and Strom, all the cop, all the guys that are on the <laughs> Rangers. You could have went after and got them. Get involved with the trade, like to For bring sure. it. Yeah, you know the the Blackhawks were dangling him. Like you call up the Blackhawks. What's Patrick Kane doing? Like put him with Crosby. There's so many other options that could have went. They they make the trade for 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 Petrie. He's 34 years old. It's like how many mid 30s guys do you want on your roster so that when they all retire or get hurt and they they're playing a quarter of a season, you're gonna be you're gonna totally buy them out maybe that's their their thought process like hey we'll try to run it back hope we get <laughs> we get to the first round of the playoffs yeah. if we lose so what and then we keep doing this for yeah. a couple more seasons until they want to tank completely and get a first pickle uh in, in the draft but <laughs> yeah. i mean i i think that they're the better option if they want to be oh. competitive for longer is you there were other routes to go in this free there's plenty of free yeah. they could have went after can i just say too this is basically what's happened what had happened to the la kings where they tried to run it back with their veterans, and then they had a forward core that didn't have anyone under, under 30, mm-hmm. and they're starting to get to a better point because they got younger and they replenished. And, you know, you might have to make some difficult choices to move on from some guys. It's just tough because they've done so much for your franchise. I will say Pittsburgh's not the only team. I mentioned the Capitals, too. I'm doubting that their run's going to keep going much longer. Agreed. Darcy Kemper, and you know he's a Stanley Cup winner, but he's getting the payday. We've seen this story before, Eddie, you know. Like, the guy who... Gets the payday after it. I don't know how much he's going to have for that motivation factor on the Capitals and how much team defense they play. So that's a team to look at as well. And not just Columbus. You mentioned the Ottawa Senators building something. I think Detroit's getting better with Stevie Y back there sure. right, calling the shots. So I would say that the Eastern Conference is fascinating to me because there are probably, I would go up to that 11-12 mark of teams that I could see make the playoffs. Like you can make a case for about 12 teams to make the playoffs last year. And I think that's a pretty high number. Uh, I mean, yeah, this was definitely the off season, right? Of, uh, of, of mediocre goalie movement. <laughs> like how many guys got paid that just were swapping teams. They're all kind of like, yeah, you know, they could be good. He could be bad. And I, I agree with your point with, with Ken Brown, with just the capitals in general, I would not be shocked if we saw the capitals and the penguins fail to make the playoffs. I, and I think Boston's going to take a hit too. Uh, it seems like they have a lot of issues going on yeah. in their front office with like, the, you know, from what I've read, it seems like there's kind of just like a boys club there with, with uh, Sweeney and he won't any, they really have to change. Yeah, Cam Neely is just not really, I mean, he, he's kind of said like, I don't really get to do as much as I want. And that's not what you want to hear. Yeah. Uh, and it just seems like they're not making the right decisions and getting rid of Cassidy who got hired like uh, uh, a few hours after he was fired. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it seems like they're, they're in a bit of a struggle. They're in a bit of a mess over there too. And they have some nice players. But uh, I, I can see them taking a step back, and I totally agree with you on Ottawa. 
I totally agree with you on Detroit. I think Ottawa specifically, their 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 top six is really good. Uh, and getting Claude Giroux to come back, uh, kind of like the hometown guy, mm-hmm. it is great there. So they have a lot of pieces to be excited about. And um, I still see Tampa sticking around. I still think For Florida sure. sticking around. I think Toronto. I'll probably pick Toronto to win the cup again. I picked them last year. Um, they did get the miserable draw, but I think they're trying to improve their goalie uh, situation. They have you know two guys, I guess, um, competent. They could switch back and forth with Jack Campbell moving on. But uh, I, you know, it's the East is is, is brutal. I'm and it, also glad that the I, the Islanders didn't make any significant moves because I could I could see them stealing a playoff spot, and I wouldn't be shocked if your your guys are up in the mix too. So. Once again, the East is is a real bloodbath, and I think the West too. Just not to go into super oh, yeah. deep playoff conversation, but I think the West, really outside of Calgary dropping off, you could you can argue. Some people think Vegas can come back in. I think Vegas is <laughs> not, not really a really poor job <laughs> the last few off seasons, um, and I would not be shocked if you know the Kings uh, staying around. So like it, it's 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 going to jumble a bit. I think the East though is definitely the stronger the stronger conference, but the West still has the juggernaut in the Colorado Avalanche, who also, again, had a great offseason. Yeah, I had some thoughts on the West that I wanted to get to. I'm glad you segued to it. One being that I'm not believing in Vegas at all. Mm-hmm. Their front office, and this is like a, this, it's like a hazard warning for if you get too aggressive, what they've done. And and I know Eichel's a BU guy, and you have an affinity toward him. But I they, do. They paid all that. They, they gave up all that to, to get him a guy with $10 million a year. And then they basically had to start giving away key players just to get under the cap. And that stat that goes back to 2019, again, this is a lot because of they nailed the expansion draft. They got flurry. They had all these opportunities. They got aggressive. They made the cup and almost won it in their first year. But it started with that Tatar trade where they trade away three picks. Then they start ha- then they start trading other guys. They, they get rid of young Suzuki and Tatar for Pacioretty. Eichel comes there. So basically what it comes down to is about seven or eight picks plus Tuck for Jack Eichel. And everybody else that was part of that core is pretty much gone now, and they're up against it cap-wise. So I just don't see a long-term much of optimism for Vegas. And I think it's malpractice on the management side. It's not fair to some of these players that you know the front office just kind of botched this thing. Yeah, I mean, to lose to sign the 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 guy who wins the Vezina, get rid of him for nothing, and then your top goal scorer, you get rid of a Pacioretty for nothing. It's like a move like the Knicks do, just to clear cap space. You don't want to be in the same boat as the Knicks no. uh, in any move, and they're going to get you know reputation across the league. And I, I still believe in Jack Eichel. I, I think the Buffalo situation was messy. I think his neck mm-hmm. injury was serious, but I think you know, obviously now you're losing a top. You're using two very important pieces. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I really buy into them either. It's it's uh, I, for some reason in terms that of division like, you know, is terrible betting. though. That's the problem is that that division is far and away the worst of the four. Yeah, and you have Agreed. Calgary taking a step back. You have Agreed. Vegas, who we talked about. I didn't realize this is the longest Sharks playoff miss drought they've ever had in their franchise. The last three years, they've always mm-hmm. made it within three years up until this run. So they're another team, the Kraken or an expansion team. I don't want to say it's just going to be Edmonton and the Kings. I do think Vancouver has talent, could put it together, and I wouldn't sleep on the Ducks necessarily with some of their young American talent. But it does, the point being, Eddie, it's shaping up to be the pressure and expectation on Edmonton. Like, this should be their division. They made the conference final. McDavid and Dreisaitl have to expand on that year. It was a dominant performance, but they can't just be one-off flash in the pan. They have to kind of rule this division now. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're very fortunate how the season ended for them last year. I know they don't win the whole thing, but if they had an early exit, then all the questions of mm-hmm. you got to move on from McDavid and Drysdale were going to come in. Um, I know people start saying, like, you know, the, the move for getting Kane, too, was, was great. Obviously, him as a, a deadline pickup was awesome. He was uh, not what people expected. He was great there. But uh, those were like, you know, I've heard some some chatter that like, oh, the roster isn't as bad as people make it out to be. It's like they were one of the worst team defensive teams yeah. to like let people enter the zone. Like there are, there's a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. I mean, their goal, their goal. And then what makes matters worse, their goaltending, the Mike Smith situation. I mean, as bad as it gets. So they like, gave Mike up the David most really goals in that yeah. division in the oh, regular yeah. season. So uh, or, or should say of the playoff teams that made it. So they were really having to outscore teams. And I'm just glad you didn't say you take Kale McCarr over Connor McDavid. Oh, that I mean, that's that's a joke. I mean, I, we're talking about prison at the moment. Like, yes, yeah. we get it. He's a a, a great and great, great player, yeah. and he's but he, it's the luxury of being on a stacked team and having so many talented offensive forwards with you. And and you know, defensively, he made a few errors. Like, it, just tell you want McDavid is the best player in sports across the four major sports, and he's single handedly put that team on his back. In my opinion, um, there's never enough trade value for him people are saying now like kevin durant what can get for kevin durant it's like it it would be to me it's way more than whatever kevin durant gets in the nba is what mcdavid gets because of his age and because how he could really it's a team sport and he's really the one guy that can bring in there if you took off kel mccarr off that uh avalanche roster and put a you know a league average defense in there they're still uh, they're still a playoff team maybe not the cup favorite like drastically mm-hmm. they were, but they're still a damn good team. Mm-hmm. If you take McDavid off the Oilers and put a league average guy there, I mean, <laughs> dude, they're at bottom of the league. They're bottom three. Yeah. Yeah. The argument in theory makes sense. Defenseman versus forward impacting the game, but we have to have exceptions to rules and McDavid's the ultimate exception to the rule. He's just a different breed. I know everyone says that like uses it an example a lot, but he really is. Uh, now this is good. And then the last thing I just wanted to say was uh, I would really where are you? If you were like a Minnesota Wild fan, would you like having a general manager like Bill Guerin? Because I think he's entertaining. I just don't know if I, if it was my if it was my GM going at it with agents and just being kind of shrewd with it. I don't know if that would be my favorite type of GM, but on the outside, it's entertaining. Yeah, I mean, well, it's hard to argue. The team was great last year, 113 points. Uh, they're right in the mix for, for the West. Uh, you know, the Central Division was a lot of fun too to watch them the playoff that playoff stretch. But uh, I think the NHL lately with him and with Iserman and, and and Drury and there's just some other guys that that the, the former players stepping into that role just seems like natural. It seems like yeah. uh, we we figure out which ones are the smart guys from the from the ice that could step into the front office and do it. And he just seems another one. And they you know they made some great moves. They have some nice young pieces. Uh, obviously keeping uh, Flurry is awesome. So it's like they there's a lot of stuff that uh, I, I can't complain with them. I think I think it's fine. And uh, another Bill Guerin too, another uh, one of the all time American great. Uh, players as well so i mean he's just adding to his legacy joe sackick too geez how can i forget another guy played um yeah a lot a lot of great former players in the gm role i would just also say that unless you have a a main guy like a shesterkin obviously vasilevsky your best bet is to just have two solid options i know agents and players don't want to hear it they want their guy to be the man but i feel like the goalie the goalie upper class is lower than it's been if that makes sense but i feel like the middle class is a lot higher and look, it's like some of these teams like the Blues or, you know, who they've gone back and forth and, and Washington's looking for it and even Pittsburgh, like you got to have options because one of them might go cold. You need to have a solid number two. It's very rare to have, you can just plug and play, right? Vasilevsky or Shesterkin are going to be our guys. So I think having two good goalies is a good thing and you can definitely spend your money on a lot worse.
Yeah, I mean, like I said before, this is like the the off season of uh, mediocre goalie movement. It seems like every team that they brought in a second goalie to like, all right, this guy stinks for a stretch. We'll put this guy in, or maybe they want to just do a forty game split kind of thing. And uh, I, I think it's a smart move. I totally agree with you. Like the the league goalies. The it's very very small. Uh, I'm not sure how many would even classify to to be in that group, yeah. but uh, I, I think if you don't have the guy or a guy who's in the the small minority, then yeah, why not why not bring in multiple? Why have two three guys that you could put out there uh, for at least half a season just to to? It's like goalies are going the way of the running back. I feel like where yeah, some teams have a special yeah. guy, but the majority of teams don't and it's just a committee kind of thing and i think that's it's possible to help you win games and you could see in the playoffs it's like you just get a guy who gets hot yeah uh, get a guy who's who's arrested so I, i'm okay with this new uh it's hard i mean it's hard for me to say as a guy with igor shesterkin but it's you know i understand why we're going to step into this new era yeah. of like of goalies in the nhl yeah longquist than igor so probably not the right person to, 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 to <laughs> yeah. give the viewpoint here but a little over two months we'll have preseason hockey again start and we'll be backed in the saddle before you know it, uh, Eddie, before I let you go, huge uh, pleasure chatting with you again. Two quick things. One being, as a New York sports fan, do you put more pressure on the Yankees or the Rangers to win a championship in the near future? Oh, it's 100% the Yankees. Okay. It's, not even, it's not even close. Yeah, pressure. the Yankees have to win. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's the, you, with the Yankees, you expect to win. Uh, obviously, the no payroll and, and, and baseball means the no cap in baseball. You, you can spend whatever you need to. Uh, and add to that payroll, they have to do this. The the whole Aaron Judge so thing. So this year with is like the year. Up. Like it has to happen this year, kind of. Sure, in the sense that like, yeah, that Aaron, Aaron Judge doesn't have a contract next year who's, you know, in, a, in an MVP type season right now. And Garrett Cole's pitching great. And they're getting some really, really good start uh, starting pitching out of Nestor Cortez and the rest. When the pitching was thought to be potentially an issue going into the season, it's been great. Um, some nice surprises like Matt Carpenter. So you have this roster that seems to be, you know, we have a what, 13, 14 game lead the all-star break so you're you're you have a huge uh chunk of, of of games that you don't have to really worry about stuff you don't have to be pressured i think they'll make some moves deadline but this has to be it i'm tired of losing to the to the red uh red sox i'm tired of losing to the astros um they haven't won since what was it uh 08 09 so they have to they have to win again um or else i would not be shocked if if boone and brian cashman are, are out of there so it's definitely them the rangers like i said earlier in, in the show is like the, the last year was really a way ahead of schedule. No one really predicted that. Right. Everyone thought like, hey, they'd be a pretty solid team. Um, they may win, you know, uh, low 40s, mid 40s amount of games, and they may squeak a playoff spot. But they were uh, way, way ahead of schedule. They were great. I mean, it, I guess no one really thought they're going to have a Vezina type season. So all that all that kind of stuff you had together. Um I think there's more patience with the Rangers right now. They're a way younger roster. And I think mm -hmm. the Yankees are the ones that kind of have this mounting pressure of every single move they make it's it gets criticized every time they lose a series or lose a game it gets criticized and um it's it's definitely it has to be the yankees i agree with you i think it's gonna be fun to see how this shakes out there uh, and then the last thing i had was were you locked in to brian kelly's media day at the sec where he's talking about eating oysters and defending his dialect and how he's just happy to be at lsu or are you just you're out on any Kelly media now. I, I did see some of the quotes on Twitter, <laughs> like how he, you know, talked about uh, Notre Dame's AD Jack, Jack Swarbrick and said that he, you know, has the the right idea for the program. And he also made comments about he wants to get LSU back to championship football. And, and just like, I mean, Brian Kelly, I can't say too much negative stuff about him because he did bring them, you know, 10 straight, 10 wins in a bunch of seasons in a row. Um, you know, Notre Dame getting into the final four a few times is, 
uh, a hard feat. So I, you know, great. But there's a lot of lot of negatives about Brian Kelly starting back since the beginning of his career. And uh, I never was a huge fan of him. And I'm much happier now with Marcus Freeman. I'm much happier with Marcus Freeman's uh, recruiting style. He's already beating the classes that Kelly already had. Um, I think that, you know, and I think LSU is going to be OK with him. But it's hard. It's just. With the state of college football now, with the SEC probably going to expand, adding teams, it just it's only going to be tougher for them. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't see LSU winning anytime soon. I, I, I would not be shocked if Notre Dame is significantly better than Notre Dame for the next few seasons. I mean, uh, Notre Dame is better than LSU. Yeah, I think uh, this is the push all the chips into the table move for Brian Kelly. This is, you know, he's had a hell of a run. He's going to go to the SEC at this age and be like, if I win, I win. If not, this is probably the last stop, the last I guess, dance, you could say, but we'll see, man. It's going to be fascinating. Um, Eddie, pleasure as always. We can catch you on extra points and uh, minus three. What's what's new on the uh, on tap for, for your podcast schedule coming up? Uh, a lot of uh, all-star game baseball stuff we've been getting into, home run derby props. Uh, we took a little bit of college football, like we were just talking about with uh, Jeff Schwartz, but then, you know, what's going to happen now with SC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12. We're going to have two conferences, three super conferences, what it's going to be, um, all that all that stuff. And uh, you got, you know, golf bets. Um, it's it's the dog days of summer where baseball is really king, and we're all kind of just like sitting around waiting for football to start. So that's that's really the main thing. We're almost there. we got camp coming soon, so we'll get there. Um, yep. Eddie Murphy, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch, you're the best. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again to Eddie Murphy. You can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We'll see you next week for more sports talk. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening.